With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello, everybody. Welcome along, Cricket Badger Podcast. It's been a while, hasn't it? Hello out there, all the uh, badgers around the UK and around the world. Uh, and we, we join you today. It's Phil and Mark alongside me, James. And we're going to be talking a little about, a bit about England and New Zealand, England's test squad they've picked, uh, and merging that into a chat as we go through about the, uh, the first half of the county championship season. How have that has gone? and how we see that uh, going forwards. And they, I guess the strength of the county championship with all of the comments about franchising it and what have you. I'm sure there's plenty to talk about as we go through this. But let's start off with the uh, the England-New Zealand Test Series coming up. And Mark, um, I think a lot of people thought, well, Rob Key coming in as director of cricket, you've got um, a new head coach in Brendan McCullum, and then you've got a new captain in Ben Stokes. That would automatically lead us to a, a revolution and a, and a complete uh, fresh load of fresh faces in that squad. As it turns out, there's only pots of Durham in the bowling department and Harry Brook, who's forced his way into the batting conversation, that's uh, any different, really. Was that a surprise to you? Uh, no, it wasn't a surprise to me, actually. I think they have, apparently they're going to go to a national selection. They haven't got a national selection in place yet. Brendan McCullum is, wasn't even in the country when they picked the side where he was in isolation. Uh, Stokes has just got the job. Keith just got his job. I can't see any of them really watched a huge amount of county cricket this season, uh, if I'm being honest. So I think a conservative choice was always going to be the choice. I think the injuries to all the strike bowlers have not helped. Um, obviously, Anderson and Broad are back in, quite rightly so. In terms of the batting, I think Crawl is a lucky boy. In terms of the bowling, I think Craig Overton is lucky as well. But I think that what they're looking at is, OK, yeah, there's been a run fest in the county championship, but if we take the last test series in, in West Indies. Crawley did get a ton in the second test. 
Jack Leach, you know, probably bowled as you know, got some control and bowled a lot of overs and improved as the, as time went by. Craig Overton, okay, didn't do so well, but he, he deserves a run in England. So I think all those kind of you know, well, they've done okay in the West Indies. I know we didn't win, but we need to give them the chance over here. Obviously, Lee's that are running the West Indies. So I think it was quite predictable, really. Um, obviously, I would have liked someone like Parkinson to get a go, but that's a, a perennial thing. But And if I'm being honest with you, not, a lot of runs have been scored in the Championship, but how you decipher on some of the tracks we've been playing on, how much store you put placed by those runs, I don't know. And a lot of the batsmen are much of a muchness. So I think it was inevitable to come to a conservative conclusion. And Matt, Matt McCullum, when he comes over, will probably start working from this point and see how we go. I think McCullum said in the past, um, when he took over at KKR and uh, in, in the Caribbean, in his other two coaching jobs, he said, I, I kind of watched, I got my feet under the table, a bit like Eric Ten Hag. I saw his press conference for Manchester United today. Yeah, I'm analysing, I'm just kind of observing at the moment. And then after you've kind of soaked up all the information, you then make a few decisions, don't you? And I imagine Brendan McCullum will be no different when it comes to uh, coaching England. Phil was, um, I don't think Ben Stokes was any surprise. He wasn't necessarily my choice, but then I'm obviously a revolutionary, forward-thinking, incredible person. But the um, but I th- yeah, Ben Stokes was pretty obvious vice captain um, and the only other player in the team really that was guaranteed to be picked. So that that wasn't particularly astonishing, was it? But Rob Key is the director of cricket and Brennan McCullum as the the head coach for the Test team. Are those two surprise you? Um, yeah, certainly. Yeah, both of them are a surprise. Uh, Rob Key is a surprise because I think Mark's made this point repeatedly. He doesn't seem to tick many of the declared criteria, but. I mean, we don't know how he interviewed, uh, what, what he's offering. I mean, he comes across he, he, as, as a pundit. Uh, he's fantastic. Um, I mean, straight just, talking. Just person. on that, Phil, the, um, I mean, Mark set himself up on our WhatsApp group as the HR department, and uh, you're obviously in the legal profession. Um, if you if you advertise a job and you obviously have the, yeah, the, the factors that you want people to tick the boxes for as part of the job description, if you don't get that many applicants and you are desperately keen to actually employ somebody quickly because you need to get the show on the road. Is Rob Key the only only possible appointment, or are we being harsh on him? Um, I don't know. We know that Gary Kirsten interviewed. Do we know who else interviewed? Gary Kirsten interviewed for the Dodgers. No, no, sorry, interv- no, he didn't. Who, no, who, sorry, that's for McCollum's role. Um, who, who else interviewed with Rob Key? It's, it's hard I don't know. to know. Marcus Nelson interviewed, but he dropped out. Yeah, so, I mean, if assuming that they're the people that got through to the final round, then I mean, he sounds like the most likely candidate, but people have been prepared to employ me. I'm not quite sure why. Um, I seem to have got away with it. So, I mean, it's that's the, that's the best point you've ever made on this podcast, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's uh, you know, look, when he talks cricket, he seems to talk common sense. He's been in and around the game. The difficulty, I think, for him is the lack of coaching, direct coaching experience, but then at this level. Should he be coaching? It's not about technicals at this point, surely. It's about man management. It's about processes. Um, it's about giving the team the very best opportunities. It's almost administrator, isn't it, really? It's more administration than cricket at this stage. You are listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. I, th- I think, Mark, uh, I kind of went through it initially and I thought, 
This is really weird because Ben Stokes is only captain once, I think, in Red Bull cricket. Brendan McCullum's never coached in Red Bull cricket. Rob Key's never had a position like that. But maybe this is what England needs. You know, we've we've gone down the route of the blokes that have got the ties on and, and fit and fit the bill. Could this be a refreshing change? Well, we'll soon find out, won't we? I think um, the Guardian guy, Barney Roney, kind of wrote a very good piece about, you know, how we've gone from the, the ties to the marketing men to the blokes and we were all into yoga and getting the mental health stuff and all the rest of it. So so we'll see. I mean, I mean, to a certain degree, Key does not fit the essential criteria, neither does McCullum. And maybe they should have re, re you know, they maybe should have re-advertised. I don't know, but the fact is they're in the jobs now. We we hope they do well. It could be. But but if they've really, if they've gone down your route, Mark, of re-advertising, we could still be sat here in September well, with exactly. no suitable. So I mean, you know, but I think I think the thing that worries me is that they make such song and dance about equality, diversity and inclusion. The first job first big jobs that they actually advertise, they don't follow follow any of the procedures. Which, you know, is fine if you don't if you just use headhunters and say, well, we're just looking for the best candidate. But once you once you advertise it and say these are the essential criteria, and then you give people jo- the jobs who haven't got the essential criteria, it just makes a mockery of it. But I'm not going to go. There's no point in arguing about that. If Key's got the job, McCullum's got the job. Um, I hope I only do well. I mean, you know, I think Rob Key. I think Phil's right. Rob Key talks a lot of sense as a commentator. I've heard him interviewed a lot. Nasser Hussain did a very good interview with him after he'd been appointed and asked him, yeah, I think as as they trust each other, obviously, as having worked together. And so we asked him the, the hard questions and all of his answers made a lot of sense. I think, I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I think we've got a chord here, haven't we? They, they may not have been the, the choices yeah, we'd have made, but we wish them well because they're, they're in situ and they're going to do the job. Yeah, I wish him well. I think he genuinely sounds like a good guy. Um, sounds like he knows, he knows the game. Um, I don't think he's going to make any snap judgments about the count again. Um, he's a big fan of the hundred, but most of them are. McCullen, you know, he's he's been he's an experienced Test match captain. He did a great job in New Zealand. You know, he might be a punt in the dark, but as you say, it may well. They've been down every other avenue, haven't they? So why not? I mean, why not? You know, give it a go and see what happens. You say Rob Key's a fan of the 100. They're always fans of the 100 when they're in the skybox. He might be different now he's out of it. Well, that proof will be in the pudding as we go through, won't it? Because I'm sure he's going to be involved in discussions at the very least in terms of the future structure of the uh, the English county county scene. In terms of the actual players and the personnel then, not a huge surprise um, about who was picked. But I, I get the impression, as we've said, that this is almost like last chance saloon for a few of these guys. Phil, yeah, this is your chance now. Go out there. You haven't got excuse of COVID bubbles. Rob Key's been quite big on how that's affected them, particularly during the Ashes, and you know, as a mitigating factor and as an excuse. But he said, you know, we've got to the stage now where there aren't any excuses left. You know, this this is now a summer, a fresh summer. Go out there and show what you can do. And this is their test now. This is their chance, isn't it? I'm not sure it is the last chance for people. I'm not sure we 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 uh, we've gone from. I remember back when I was a kid, we would change lineups. From one test to the next, and you it's really like had Fred one Tr- chance to go like and get Fred it. Truman. Back in the day, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, now people, I, I think it's gone a bit too much the other way. Um, I'm not sure there's enough jeopardy in uh, performances because uh, enough jeopardy in in performing below par because there's. A oh, I, I'll ask you about that because somebody um, I. I 
I suggested a couple <clears> of changes. <throat> I, 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 to be honest, a, a lot of me is in agreement with Mark that you know, it makes sense at the moment to pick largely the same people mm-hmm. and then and see how it goes. But somebody said to me, well, you can't make too many changes. They're all centrally contracted. You're paying them a fortune. You're Effectively, you're flushing the money down the toilet if you don't pick them. Um, mm-hmm. Central contracts, I think, have a very big upside, but there's also the downside that they can be a bit cosy, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, I mean, you the, the nail on the head uh, that you're financially committed to these players um, and <clears throat> it, it, at least for the term of that contract it doesn't matter how they perform I mean uh, well actually I suppose there may be terms in there we're not aware of but I'm not aware of any player that's lost their central contract because of their lack of form um, I think they get dropped and then they lose it when they come to renegotiate them in, in the autumn don't they yeah but that uh... Yes, it does. Well, I suppose anybody, you want someone to have the comfort of knowing that they are financially um, sound uh, and they're not in a precarious position. Otherwise, you end up with instances like, uh, well, noble spot fixing, etc. And and perhaps undue pressure on players. But... um, where, where we are at the moment, I, it does seem very comfortable. And I think it's very comfortable with both bat and ball, where individuals seemingly have got endless chances. Um, and I don't know if it's in my impatience as a fan. This might be the series in which, you know, Ollie Robinson steps up or Craig Overton looks more menacing. Um, but I do wonder, again, it's all well and good. We'll chuck the ball to Chris Wokes and he'll perform at home again and... We'll pick him for an away tour and it, it won't work again. I, I, I just, it's getting a little bit monotonous now having the same players in. And with the new regime that's come in, it would be nice to see a few more fresh faces just to have that, bring that energy into the group. Because, I mean, it's been a bit more, I'd said on the group when, when you suggested a, a podcast, I think last week, that I'm grumpy. I, I'm, I'm not in the best place for cricket at the moment. And the England squad was a bit disappointing the way they announced it so you had to sign up i didn't they like could that. harvest all your data that just pissed me off even more quite frankly and it, it just it's um there's just a bit of a stink around it at the moment i'm hoping that key and i like mccullum i'm re- I, I i quite like his attitude i like the way he comes across i hope that presents itself in the way he sets the team up and uh because i really i am i am quite excited by him uh, I like Key in a different way, but McCullum actually excites me. But he is completely untested in, in this type of arena. It's not like he's known for his test batting. He's, everyone thinks of McCullum as a, a one-day specialist. He played, as far he played as quite concerned. a lot of test matches, though, didn't he? He's, got, he's vastly experienced in his format. Yeah, yeah and, and that, that, that's the, um, you know, that, that's the riposte to that point. But we, we know him for his explosive one-day play. But, you know, bring what I'm hoping he'll bring is that competitiveness, that positive aggression that I think we've lacked uh, in the team. And I'm hoping he's not going to tolerate some of the uh, limp, rather mild-mannered performances that became apparent, particularly in the Ashes and and perhaps to a lesser extent in the West Indies. Ollie Robinson bowling at 70 miles an hour again, I hope won't be repeated under this uh, regime. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. 
hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. Mark, kind of moving forward, new regime, new ideas, yeah, potentially new personnel. We potentially need to be a little bit patient with these guys, don't we? Um, in terms of um, hitting the ground running, then you maybe not get the new manager bounce that you get in some football teams. But how patient can we be? How how much time have these gentlemen got to turn things around and actually get England winning again? You can call them in Kia, the players are both. Yeah, because it's, it's not an easy summer. You know, you've got New Zealand, good side. You've got India for a one-off test match, very good side. And South Africa, very, you know, up well, and coming and getting back to where they used to be. I think for the management team, obviously, it's the long-term project. And Cullum's got a four-year four year deal, which is a long time, you know, because coaches come and go these days in international cricket, you know, like football managers. So a four-year contract is a commitment by England. I think Key's got a similar tenure, so you've got to give them time. Um, I think in terms of the players, as I say, I think these are different. I mean, New Zealand are going to be a tough. If England think they can go to Lords and produce a you know a green top to suit Anderson and Broad and and Overton, well, the, New Zealand have got equally good good as firepower in their in their kind of artillery. So it's going to be very interesting how England sets up the pitches for this Test series because um, you know New Zealand's strength is their pace attack, England's is their pace attack. What are England's weaknesses? Their batting. New Zealand's not really got a huge amount of weakness in the batting. As far as England's players are concerned, we've got Pope at three. Now they put him at three. Uh, there's been a lot of conjecture about whether they should have done that. I think for Ollie Pope, he should see it as an opportunity because if you consider yourself one of the best players in the side, you should bat three or four. So Ollie Pope has an opportunity. He's yeah, apparently I haven't seen him bat this year. He has refined his technique. It's more. It's simpler. Hopefully they will talk about him about his mentality test match batting, which got completely frenetic. But he's got the talent. He's been put at three, and he's got an opportunity. He needs to grasp it. I don't agree with the people saying he's never batted at three. Here's his opportunity. He's played twenty odd tests. There's his opportunity. So he's got to be given a run. I, I thought, Mark, as well, the with Ollie Pope, my initial reaction was, what on earth are you doing? This guy's never been above kind of or four in the order, and that was only because England shoehorned him in at four rather than where he was at Surrey. But like you say, I've kind of turned around a little bit because I think he's a terrific player, or t- got terrific potential, already a terrific player at county level. And you mentioned the word frenetic there. For, for me, Ollie Pope walks the crease and his brain's going at a million miles an hour. He's playing at balls that maybe he should leave alone. He scores a beautiful 24 couple of cover drives and a couple of clips off the toes and then he's out and that's what we've had from Ollie Pope so far but this is now if he, if he can get himself into a mindset of a number three where he thinks about I don't have to be express pace the ball's going to be hardest if he plays an attacking shot he's possibly going to get value for, for, for the shot anyway but if he adds a few more leave alone shots and thinks well I need to be there at lunchtime and tea time and gets that kind of test match mindset in there then he might actually improve as a result of that, Mark. Well, yeah, that's his opportunity. He now he steps up to see if he's got that mentality to do it because this is a huge opportunity to bat as England's number three. Why not just take it? If you look at all the other candidates they talk, they talk about, they talked about Josh Bohannon. Josh Bohannon's only got four first-class centuries. Ollie Pope's got more ability than Josh Bohannon, simple as that. Pope seemingly has, outside of uh, the, the lad at Yorkshire Brook, more natural ability than a lot of our batsmen that I've seen anyway. So why not give him a go? 
he has to adapt his game. But any successful player in any side, wherever they play, will have to adapt the game at some point in their career. So Pope's got to be given a run. Roots cemented at four, great. Um, number five, we'll see how long Bearstow lasts in terms of his longevity. I mean, playing four formats. Um, he's got he's got form, so he deserves his place. But Brooke is there waiting. Stokes is actually six. So, so in a sense, you've got the essence. We we'll see how the openers go. Of course, we could be ten for two. But we, you know, we've got the essence of a top six there that I think they, they'll try and persevere with. Crawley has to get some runs. Crawley's the most vulnerable. If he plunks out, and I have no real confidence in him as an opener, <coughs> he's not vulnerable, mate. He is bulletproof. Now keys in that boy is bulletproof. Maybe he's bulletproof at the moment, but if he doesn't get any runs um, and he keeps nicking off in the way he has been doing, then he's obviously vulnerable. The bowlers will have to wait and see. There's that many injured that the attack is what it is, isn't it? I mean, Craig Overton's a lucky boy. I think his brewer would have given him a bit more of a point of difference and he's not much more different as a bat. I heard somebody saying, heard somebody from Surrey talking about um, Jamie Overton and is it Azam Mahmood who's a bowling coach down at Surrey had said he's not quite ready yet. He's still not quite consistent enough in terms of uh, his lines and lengths. He's 28 years of age. When yeah. is he going to be ready? Well, mate, well maybe good? he's never going to be ready. Well, that, until, you, until you play him, you don't know, mm-hmm. do you? But he's, he's been playing first-class cricket for 10 years. He bowls at 90 miles an hour. He's fit now. He's bowling well, so if he's never, if he's ever going to make the step up, it's now when England are in a bit of a flux. Let, let's just stick to the batting for now. I've just jotted down here these six names in terms of middle order batsmen. Let's forget the openers because that's a podcast in itself, isn't it? But Bairstow, Pope, Brook, Root, Lawrence, and Stokesville. To me, yes, you can pick bones in them. Yes, they haven't always performed. Yes, um, they could do better. And yes, they might do better. But to me, they're probably the six best batsmen in the country at the moment. And they probably deserve their place and their chance to shine, don't they? Um, Right, the wrongs, maybe. Yeah, I I just worry if they're all... I think what we lack there is an obvious number three. And Root at four, I understand. I think you'd like them all coming in Certain, I, I I think I'd like them all coming in at five or six. That's the problem. Well, so, somebody tweeted me, Phil, and said, "Why don't we just call them all number fives? So we lose the first <laughs> wicket, and everybody else is at number five. Yeah, I mean that that's my worry about Pope at three is that you're asking someone who's struggled. Well, perhaps struggles not the right word, but they're not firing on all cylinders to then adapt, as Mark rightly describes it, from a position not of dominance or of positivity. They're being asked to adapt their game whilst it's already not flourishing." Um, and I just think it, the reality is that he's likely to be effectively opening for, for much of what we're doing. But yeah, I mean, I worries about Lawrence. He's had his injuries. He hasn't, he got that 120 against, um, who was it, Mark? Um, I watched it, mate, against Lancashire, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot all about that. Uh, yeah. He had a good game there. Uh, I'm not, he's, this hamstring's recurred now twice in two or three weeks. So I don't, I think he might have to rest that. So it may well be that he's not going to, uh, make it back uh, for this uh, for this test match, but it's nice to see him get get a few runs the other day. Obviously, I'm a big fan of his, but it's um, it's difficult to in term it's difficult to think of anybody else that would that would come in. There's been a few performances and around, but no one has really really stood out. It'd be nice to see Harry Brook play. Uh, I don't know much about him, but obviously everybody's waxing lyrical about him at the moment. So it'd be nice to is, see. Is him. it a shame that we? Because uh, what they've said is. Or the word on the street, Huggy Bear, seems to be that Harry Brooks has been told he's the reserve in the squad um, and that basically the, the top seven looks set to be Lees Crawley, Pope coming in at three, 
Roots at four, Bearstow's at five, Stokes is at six, and Folks is the keeper. That's you know, if you're going to pick that for the first test, the chances are, even if it's a disaster, you're going to pick that for the second test as well because you're going to give him a couple of games, aren't you, at the start of a series? Is it unfair on Harry Brook, who's obviously a, a multi-dimensional cricketer and plays white ball too, to take him out of the blast, Mark, and and take him away from Yorkshire um, to carry I mean, drinks? I don't think. Well, is it? Well, he's going to be taken away from the blast. He's going to be put in a different environment. No, I think it's a good thing for him to to be around the England environment. I don't really... I mean, playing in the blast, what's he... I mean, he's proved what he can do in the blast. We need to need him to see it around the test match environment. They may well release him for part of the blast anyway. They'll probably release him at some point to play I in mean, the blast. England have taken Parkinson around the world twice in the last two winters and had him well, for a lot go. of the summers I as mean, well. Well, there you go. They, but it's, I don't think... I think they'll probably release him for some of the blast if he's over here and he's not playing, obviously. But I think it's right if he's with the squad for this particular test match. Um... You know, they need to see a look at him in the nets. They've got a new coach coming over. He'll need to get to know him. The, you know, the, team, the management team will need to get to know him. They've obviously identified him. They want to see what he's like in the nets. They'll want to see what he's like as a person, as an individual. They talk a lot these days about not just being around the ability, about being able to integrate into the group and what you bring to the group. So all those questions about your soft skills are actually just as important as your hard skills now in cricket. Yeah. Because if you're not, if you haven't got them, then you don't get picked. And quite rightly to some degree, Mark, because you spend so much time as a cricketer with those other people, you've got to fit into that group, haven't you? Yes and no. You don't want, you know, you don't want people to be completely awkward and recalcitrant all the time. But any good any good management team should be able to manage difficult individuals because quite often your most difficult individuals are your best players. Well, your best well, that's, that's why we put Phil in the middle. So, yeah, there we you go. Managing right. from either side. Look, I mean, Peterson, Jeffrey Boycott in the past, you know, even to a certain degree, James Anderson recently. You know, you have to get the best out of these people. But you do, you know, but ideally, you you want you don't want too many of them because it creates chaos, as as we've seen, as we've seen in county sides like Yorkshire in the seventies and eighties, for example. Um, but no, you, no. you need you need you know you need the right mix. But obviously they're looking for people with the right mentality. But every team every team needs a maverick, and every and if you cannot manage a maverick, then it says more about your poor management than it does a maverick, in my opinion. I'm going to ask you a question now, and I just want a yes or no answer. Any surprise to you, Phil, that Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson are back in the squad? No. Mark, no. we don't need to talk about them. We know all about them, don't we? And they're back in the squad. Last question when it comes to England for now. We've seen basically a succession of Matthew Fisher's, Saqib Mahmood, Joffre Archer's been out for, feels like, about two years now. Stress fractures in backs, injuries, loads and loads of kind of amateur medical thoughts of uh, both ex-players and people like me and supporters in terms of why this happens. But it's not good, is it, Phil? <laughs> you know, from any, however you look at it, with all of the science around at the moment, I, I, my personal opinion is that there is actually too much science around at the moment that they actually try to get, they're getting too gym fit and not enough cricket fit. And they're not actually playing enough because you, the, the bowling action is so strange um, it's not something you do in any other walk of life, running in, going sideways and, and bowling a ball. Because you throw a ball usually, don't you? If you're going to try and put a project, you know, take a missile and put it over there, you throw it. 
So it's a completely, and, and the stresses that go through that body are unique to cricket. And I don't think they actually play enough because you groove that action, you get that action stronger, um, and and that's where you stay fit. And to me, they they kind of all of this resting and wrapping people in cotton wool for four weeks and then playing a one-off game. I don't necessarily necessarily think it does them any good. You you use different muscles to bowl wicket keep, and and anyone can tell you that. Anyone that's had the misery of the day after they've been asked to go in and keep for 40 overs or or bowl eight overs off after not having done it for God knows how long. So then come in and be walking like John Wayne the next day because you've used muscles you've not used for, for goodness knows how long. I kept wicket about 25 years ago for one forty over game and I'm still feeling it. Still, yeah, absolutely. It's... Um, I've been a, a, the shadow of a man I was since Friday, and I'm meant to be playing tomorrow as well. And it's, yeah, I I, I, I mean, Mark, Mark's got strong views on this, on the number of overs they bowl. I do wonder if we are now so concentrated on being as quick and, and squeezing every bit of pace out of players we can that we are adding to the issue. But I'm no sports scientist. And the difficulty with this conversation is that there are, and England have plenty of them, of, of experts who are there meant to be giving top-end advice on this subject. Uh, but it's it's difficult to understand how someone like Joffrey Archer can pick up a stress fracture. Or is it a lumbar stress fracture? Uh, and that either not be detected or develop whilst he's recovering from before. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Either it should have been detected earlier or they're doing something wrong in his recovery. Uh, it, there's, there's something that needs explanation but i've cross-examined a few experts in my time but i i definitely feel i'd need to do some brushing up before i am um, asked any questions on this subject i know i don't want to name the county or the people involved in this it's not fair but the i know that one county there was a bit of a standoff between strength and conditioning coach and the bowling coach and co because of what i've just said that you know the, the bowling coaches wanted a bowler to be fit and be able to bowl. And it seemed the strength and conditioning coach wanted them to go through X amount of exercises in the gym every day and be fit in terms of having a six-pack and wide, broad shoulders. And they don't necessarily meet in the middle, Mark, do they? You know, there's a difference between being all ripped and and, and muscly and being bowling fit. And I know you yeah. go to the gym a lot and you're very ripped and muscly. <laughs> well, I used to do a lot of bowling, but uh, not muscly. But yeah, there is. I think, I think it's a complex debate. I think let's not get into eulogising about the good old days because bowlers have always got injured. Dennis Lilly. We, we forget that, don't we? Yeah, we forget that. I mean, there's always been injuries. Bowlers, sometimes people like Chris O, Mike Hendrick, Chris O could get injured, just, you know, walk into his car. So, I mean, people have always been injured. And it may well be that people like Satch and uh, Archer are just injury prone. But I think, I think we've got to a situation where. Nobody really knows what's best for the players. So you do have these strength and conditioning coaches. They're in the gym all... I mean, they've got 12-month contracts. They're in the gym all winter. They're in, you know, so why... They, it's just... So they do need to bowl more. I think the other argument is... That's a quite an interesting argument, actually, about my mood. So I say, you know, I've had a conversation with somebody on Twitter the other day. He'd only played bowl 25 first-class matches and so forth. They said, well, he's been in so many 2020 leagues and he's been to the Big Bash and then he went to England. And they are playing more formats. And whether that puts an extra strain on the body, who knows? And, you know, whether the 2020, whether it is, whether it is more hyped up and they're running around more, I don't know. But it does, I mean, to me, they don't bowl enough. That's absolutely paramount to me. If you are a bowler, feels right, you are using different muscles. It's about repetition. 
You know, you, you need to repetition. Your body needs to get used to it. So if you come out of a gym and start bowling, you can't, your body's not going to be used to it. You're going to break down. You need to, you need to do it slightly more. And stress fractures don't, you know, sometimes you get an acute stress fracture and just like, happens like that. But very often stress fractures, you know, they, they develop over time. That's why bowlers are scanned more these days um, because they pick them up. So God knows what they were doing with Archer. I mean, Mahmood was, Mahmood's been scanned to death, so they probably picked these up reasonably early. Which is good for him, but if they haven't, if they haven't picked archers up, God, if either, you know, I just don't know. But for me, they need to do more bowling. I don't want them bowling sixty overs a week. And, you know, I don't want sixty-six back-to-back matches. But the body needs to get used to bowling more. And um, to me, that's not what they do. If you look at all the best bowlers, they've all said in the past, all the best bowlers, they've all enjoyed bowling and they've learned how to bowl. Their actions have re- been refined. And they learn, and they, but they get bowling fit by bowling. And let's face it, you know, when we talk about stress and strain, you know, the West Indian fast bowlers they used to come over county cricket and bowl seven eight to seven hundred eight hundred overs. Malcolm Marshall, Joel Garner, yeah. Sylvester Clark, they never got injured. Well, you know, we talk about Stuart Broad and um, Jimmy Anderson. They've bowled ridiculous numbers of overs in their in their careers, and they, but they, whenever we talk about them being rested, I mean, I'm, I'm. Uh, kind of a bit of a believer in actually rotating them now for the, through the twilight of their career. But you can guarantee as soon as you say to Stuart Broad or Jimmy Anderson, we're not going to play you at Lords, we'll play you in the next one instead, they'll say, well, I want to play at Lords. They want to play the next game. They want to they want to play in bowl. They want to play other games. They can. They're too old to play other games. We, take, we get that. But, you know, you don't want to be flogging all, you know, particularly fast bowlers, you don't want to be flogging them to death. There's there's a there's a happy medium to be to be found. But, you know, you've got to find that medium, and, and it's gone too far at the moment. They're not bowling enough overs, essentially, mm. uh, and that's it. Mahmoud's played 25 first-class games. He bowls in shorter formats. So, you know, they're not bowling. They're not bowling fit. The bodies aren't right for bowling. They, they, they may be fit young men, but they're not bowlers, and that's what I think is the essence of why it's happening. So I mean, I feel I feel for Saqib, I feel for Matty Fisher as well. He just got they kind of just got their chances, and now they're injured for the rest of the season. But um, you know, thinking about Fish at Yorkshire, I don't think he's actually played a full season because because there's always an injury or an eagle of some kind. And uh, you can. I mean, the the other thing is to say, oh, you get people on Twitter played too much county cricket. You know, they bowled too much in county cricket. Fish is only bowled in one innings. Mahmoud's only bowled in one match. So it's not it's there's not there's not the direct correlation. And actually, bowlers like Tom Bailey, who plays for Lancashire, can play every game and not pick up an injury or certainly not a back injury. And again, he bowls a lot of overs. I'm not going to ask you this question because I, knew, I know you've been to cricket this uh, this season because I was sat behind you. But um, have you been to see any county cricket yet, Phil? No, not been there. No, I've been streaming a lot. been watching a lot of the streams, which has been really handy. And uh, I've been. it's amazing how many people don't know about the streams because the number of people I've had to refer to them oh can I watch it there and they've been well into it thereafter even even the kids actually have been into it so the streams have been an invaluable source yeah, I've, tried, I've, I've tried to retweet that grid thing um, every now and again because you can put more than one match on your screen at any one time which is quite nice as well but the so, only I, irritating thing is Warwickshire demand that you sign up to the data list again another one wanting to harvest my data to send me uh, adverts for stuff I'm not going to buy I've, I think I've got your data if anybody wants Phil's data <laughs> yeah. I can sell it and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast then tweet at cricket underscore badger.
I put out a tweet yesterday to say, because it was obviously the first, uh, the end of the first sort of tranche of uh, county championship matches about halfway through the season and the summer's not even started yet. But anyway, that's a, that's another point for another day. But I said that, yeah, I'd loved it. I've been watching it on the streams. I've been been to Headingley. I've been, yeah, and it's, um, I love four-day cricket. I love the county championship. And there's been some tremendous matches. Got a lot of people liking that and, re- and and making comments and stuff. There were a few people who said, I, I found it a bit boring. Too many draws, you know, too many high-scoring draws. This is, you know, and I, I wonder what your thoughts on that are, Mark, because I, I think, I mean, there have been some fairly docile tracks. There have been teams batting out fairly comfortably in the fourth innings. The heavy roll of presumably has a part to play and that's that kind of deadens the track a little bit and maybe we could look at use not using the heavy roller in, in county championship cricket but one of the things I always think when when people say the scores are too big the bowlers are finding it too hard A for most of the last five years people have been saying the bowlers find it too easy so let's give the batsman a few runs now and again but B when we go to places and England concede sort of 500 in the first innings and they find it really hard to get a wicket people always say well they find it too easy in the county championship. They need to find ways to take wickets. Well, th- the moment we're giving them that challenge, aren't we? And we're trying to make bowlers better from in that regard. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, county cricket gets played for everything. If England win, it's never county cricket's reason for winning. If England lose, always is. So that's historically always been the case. I think the tracks this year have been very, very good. They've been light roads, some of the ones I've seen. And you have to be a very good bowler to get the wickets, which is great. You know, Hashin Ali come to Lancashire and won his some games because he's an excellent bowler. Uh, Matt Parkinson's taking wickets. And, yes, the, the, I mean, I watched the Kent game versus Lancashire right at the beginning of the season at Canterbury. And Darren Stevens was basically, he could play him literally with a stick of rhubarb. There was nothing going on in the pitch. And he, he didn't bowl him in the second innings. So cricket is very much a game of environment. And the pitches this year have been remarkably good for the time of year. And I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's great that we're getting better pitches. But my gripe is that these pitches don't break up because they water them too much, so they don't deteriorate, they don't break up. If you look at a first-day pitch at Old Trafford and then look at a day-four pitch, there's hardly any difference, in it? Well, when, so you, when you water them, Mark, and then you put the heavy roller on them, you're effectively compacting them and making them almost like first-day pitches, aren't they? They never break up. So you need a pitch to naturally deteriorate. And I think that's the problem we've got. We're getting, good, we're getting better pitches. They're too slow. And that's probably to do with the time of the year and historical things in England. But if you're going to get good pitches and they're slow wickets, you need them to deteriorate naturally. Otherwise, you're going to get 500 plays, 500. And so that's what we need to work on and stop watering the pitches too much. That we, We're absolutely obsessed with making the pitches as compact as possible because we're frightened to death of them breaking up. Let them deteriorate naturally. And that would produce more interesting cricket. Because I think the pitches are... I'm, I'm, I'm broadly in agreement what they've done with the pitches this year. But when in one match, I think it was when we played you lot, Yorkshire, wasn't it? Yeah, it was when we played Yorkshire. Every single team in the first division in the first innings got 500. And that, mm-hmm. that's the first time that had happened since two divisions. So that tells you that possibly the pitch is probably too good and too slow for this time of the year, and they're not deteriorating. So, yeah, it's been some good cricket, and I've enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed, you know, Lancashire have gone to four days each time. I saw a four-day game at Kent, four-day game at Old Trafford. So there's been some good finishes, but um, you need to have really top-class bowlers to win matches. Um, you know, we haven't got a huge amount of those in, in uh, first-class cricket, but I would like the wickets to deteriorate more naturally than they are doing at the moment. 
But that, but that that point you make there about not having top class bowlers in county cricket, surely the, the the job of the ECB and of county cricket is to generate the need to be a top class bowler and yeah, of and, and and Phil, that that's the challenge. It's surely surely the challenge is for the bowlers to get better and to make themselves a little bit more um, more of a contest on. 500 plays 500 tracks and yep. be for the captains to use a bit of imagination and to hone their skills a bit more too yeah absolutely so these that and that's that's why it's right that these pitches have been prepared this way so that we can see teams have to work harder to get their wickets because rolling in at you know with the dibbly doublers at 75 to 80 miles an hour and rolling teams over isn't i mean it's, it's i mean i'm a, I always preferred bowling. I'm not overly interested in batting. That's for other people to worry about. So uh, I didn't mind seeing loads of wickets fall, but it doesn't lead. It doesn't lend itself to um, strong developed batting standards, and therefore it doesn't lend itself to a strong England team. Uh, uh, sorry, and, and bowling standards as well. So with these better pitches, I think inevitably lead to an improvement. Um, but it's going to be rough going for a while because at the moment this is new to or, or, or newer to players are used to pitches that are going to help them out so there's going to be a period of adjustment which which we've got to go through and there might be some boring games but ultimately a little bit of tough love the players will respond and the cream will hopefully rise i don't want you to use the word money tradition loyalty anything like that in your answers but now it's time to franchise cricket says kp the words loyalty tradition and all of those kind of history and even money these days, and probably have, and probably all all the way through cricket's history, money's been important. You have to pay the bills, don't you? But those things like tradition, history, and, and loyalty. Loyalty is what actually matters most, isn't it, for, for a cricket fan? You get your team and you stick with them through thick and thin. That's what sport's all about. Tradition, that's something to be celebrated, learnt from, and, and stuck up on, on pavilion walls uh, and looked after. Um, so... I don't mind if you use any of those words in your answers to this question. But Mark, KP wants to take it down to 12 teams to franchise it. I'm not sure he actually quite technically knows what the word franchise means. But um, is it time to reduce 18 counties? And if you say yes, then you're off this podcast. But that's I'm not trying to influence your answer. I don't think it's time to reduce 18 counties. I think KP throws lots of different sticks to get a response and... And if you say enough things enough times, you're going to get one thing right sometime. It's totally wrong on this. I don't think franchising is going to suddenly miraculously produce a better England side. Tradition is important. I mean, you know, the county championship and history county clubs have been going 200 years. You can't just suddenly stop that. It doesn't work like that. You, you just, you know, you've got great grounds. I mean, you've got Taunton down here in the West Country, superb ground. One of the best grounds, well, the best ground for county cricket, in my opinion, in the country. So what you're going to do? You're going to start franchising that. What about the Cheltenham? So there's all different equations and different nuances that he he simply doesn't get. And we're not like Australia. Australia is a huge country where you can have you have certain states and they you know that's and they have better weather as well. So and their tradition is to have eight, nine, ten games and play the states. They're not going to suddenly reduce their states. So I don't think we don't shouldn't we, we shouldn't be saying because everybody else has got less teams then suddenly we should have less teams homogenization is boring you want some difference what i do think he's writing and i do think this is need it needs addressing is that and i've said this consistently that we do need to raise the quality and we do need the best playing the best more my opinion is that county cricket was best maybe about 15 years ago 10 15 years ago 
We had better overseas players, we had better cold packs, we had better pitches, we had better players coming through. I think a lot of those things have, have gone away now with central contracts, with overseas not being here much. We've got, we've diluted, the, the quality's been diluted slightly. We've got less people participating in the game. So there is that natural declining standard, I think, that has occurred. It hasn't helped with the scheduling and playing on bad pitches, which has reduced the quality even more. So we need to we need to sort that out. But equally, we need to recognise that if England are going to get better, then you do need the best playing the best. And I think going back to two divisions, playing on better pitches, you've already seen that happening a little bit. And we need to look at a structure which promotes that in the future. But a structure that doesn't cut off every single county. So if you are Northampton, you have got the ability to get to the first division. We don't want to cut off those avenues because those, those clubs produce players. And it may well be in the future that they continue producing players. And a little bit like football, those players move on to bigger clubs and they're loaned back for a season. And that's how the system naturally evolves. And the talent does get to the top, like you get in football to a, to a kind of degree, if you know what I mean. He's wrong in franchising. That's completely wrong. And it'll just disinvest the game and disenfranchise complete areas of the country. However, he is right that we do need to look at standards. And me watching a lot of cricket over the years, I've watched nearly 400 first-class games live because I'm a sad man. I would say that standards have definitely declined. Um, so I would look, like to look at something different that redresses that balance, but at the same time retaining an 18-county structure. Every competition should always look at be trying to raise standards. I don't think it's how you do that. You mentioned kind of the times of the games. You mentioned pitches. You mentioned, there's a whole load of factors that play into that, aren't there? Um, which uh, potentially aren't relevant to, to this discussion, really. But in, in terms of the word franchise, Phil, franchise is where you create a product and you sell it off to people to then run it for you effectively, don't you? So you sell off the teams and you there is no money in county championship cricket. We keep talking about the fact that everybody says subsidy. I mean, they I think the counties to a large degree earn their, their fees and stuff from the ECB, but they get that free from the ECB to prop up county championship cricket because county championship cricket works as the foundation for international cricket, which makes the money. So the test matches that you sell the tickets, you sell the TV rights for the test matches, you get the money for that, and then that is fed into the county game because they produce the test cricketers to, to have the test matches in the first place. Um, but there is not going to be a, a Saudi billionaire or a Texan millionaire or a Australian guy who fancies dabbling in English cricket who's going to buy a county championship franchise to get rich quick, is he? Or richer quicker. This is why I think KP... Uh, I think he's just spouting the word franchise because he thinks it's um, he thinks it's the clever solution to it without possibly knowing quite what the ramifications for it are. Um, just be- just before you go on though, what he what he then follows it up with was let's get I can't even remember three or five overseas and pay them big bucks. Well, where's that money coming from? Where yeah, you, he's coming from anyway. Exactly, play. because they're playing international cricket elsewhere. See, yeah, are you are you suggesting that these millionaires are going to come in and prop up, the, you know, buy these franchises? Then you suggesting they're going to be spending huge amounts of money on bringing in um, Shaheen Shah Afridi for a full season, etc., etc., etc. Just it just doesn't stack up, Phil. 
No, it, it doesn't. And, and this is why it, I, I'll listen to anything that will improve the situation of cricket in this country. And if someone can demonstrate that a, a thought out and fully developed franchise system would do it, I would listen to it. I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand. So if KP wants to suggest or anybody else wants to suggest a franchise system, cost it out and, you know, and, and, and put it out in a, in a, in a paper that we can look at and then we can, we can judge it on its merits rather than just spouting in a hundred and forty odd characters the word franchise every so often. It seems to me that what yes, every, I mean it, it's a no brainer, isn't it? Quality everywhere needs to improve. It, it it doesn't even need to be said. So how do you do it? Well, and that's it. That's yeah, in any walk of life, not just sport, isn't it? Yeah, is it? Yeah, I mean, there's I, there's not a sport in the country not trying to improve the quality of its of its participants. There's not a sport on the planet, sorry, not trying to improve the quality of its participants and its financial position. So how do you do it? Well, KP's suggestion seems to really be if you take the word franchise out of it, less matches people you know the better players are concentrated into stronger quality games and that'll produce a better England team there might be merit to that there might not be for me I think the solution actually rests in trying to encourage more of the 60 million people 70 million people in this country to play cricket uh, and that's at the minute where I think we're missing people that are being attracted to football, um, possibly off to uh, other sports, uh, the, the the natural athletes uh, that, that that we could turn into to England cricketers are going off to other sports or other pastimes. And the way you sort that out, I think, is actually by increasing the number of counties playing and, and making uh, it, it a sport that pulls people in so that, you know, e- even if you've got a third, fourth, fifth tier Bedfordshire versus God knows who. These players are playing, they're getting into the sport and therefore they've got an opportunity to move up, as Mark described, moving to the bigger counties as they go along. So uh, for me, it's not franchises, it's widening the sport and widening participation. The other thing, Phil, as well off the back of that, obviously, is the state schools or clubs using local clubs to get cricketers from non-private school backgrounds and also black and minority ethnic population of the country play a huge amount of club cricket but don't that that isn't reflected in in the professional game has to be that has to be looked at too to give just opportunities. Go and, just go and look people. at the England eleven we discussed earlier on and look how ethnically diverse that team is. Yeah, absolutely. You are listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. Just to round off on that, Mark, the if to, to me. Um, I know I, I totally agree with everything both of you have said. You know, the best playing the best gets the best cricket. You know, you can then judge people on that, etc., etc., etc. I quite like Rob Key's suggestion when he was on Sky um, before he took the current job. He talked about having a top division with two divisions running side by side underneath that, so all eighteen counties are playing the same number of games. And then if you get you get promoted into the top division and come down a tier, if you get relegated, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. Three divisions, however you want to do it. There's ways and means of actually setting up the structure, isn't there? But to me, if you actually reduce the the number of top teams. You're sending a message out to the UK, Mark, that there are less professional opportunities for people. So anybody who is any good at sport, and one of those sports is cricket, you're thinking, well, have I got more chance playing cricket or have I got more chance playing football when there are 92 clubs to play for? Or have I got more chance playing another sport? And, And also, if you're reducing the number of top teams, say you take away Durham, 
out the equation. Does that mean Ben Stokes and Mark Wood go off and do something completely different? Two of the most popular England cricketers of, of current times. You take away Somerset, does that mean Marcus Triscothic never plays for England because he chooses a different career route and does something else because it's too far to drive to Bristol or something else to, yeah, to, to do what he's going to do? You've got to think about those things that you know, you, you've got to, to, to grow the game. You almost need to put it under people's noses rather than actually take it further away from them. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I wouldn't be in any shape or form looking at reducing the amount of county clubs, so I don't think they need to do that. I think his point about reducing the amount of top clubs in the top division, I'm not sure if that'll put people off playing cricket. I don't think when you're 14, you necessarily start thinking that particularly. And I think you I think you have to recognise as well that there's always been 92 football clubs. They have the a lot thing of- with that, though, Mark, is that the if you've got, say, 10 top-tier clubs... There are obviously 110 shirts then um, available any one week in the championship. 18, you've got nearly twice that many. So you yeah. are limiting the opportunities of playing top-tier cricket, aren't you? Uh, well, we're not saying reduce reduce 18 counties. What we're saying is that we need to look at ways of, you know, the, the best players playing the best players more, whether, whether that's in two divisions as we've got now or three divisions or whatever. I don't think that really matters. I don't think that's going to put people off playing the game initially. People have ambitions. When you're a sports person, you have ambitions. You think you can get to the top. It's not you're not going to be put off by that. You know, if you really like the game and the, the, the club that you go to is inclusive, whether that's be, you know, you're starting at a local club like Phil's club, Hornchurch, or my club in the Central Lanks League, uh, well, not Central Lanks anymore, Haywood. As long as that club's inclusive, as long as it's got good links to the county club, I don't think twelve year olds think well. You know, 10 years and I might not be playing in the first division. I don't think that it's about catching people's attention to the game. I think we have to recognise one other thing as well. However much we can grow cricket on a recreational basis, it's never, ever going to be the same scale as football, ever. Oh, no. And that's the difference. That's why we've got 92 clubs. That's historical as well. So I don't think that's an issue. I think if you get a better product and people can make more money at the top, I don't know, England win more. You know, the England team is still the kind of seen as a pinnacle. It doesn't matter if there's three divisions. And Ben Stokes would probably have been at Durham and so would Mark Wood. They may have transferred. But I think it's getting that product right. It's getting it right, playing it at the right time. Um, I don't really favour reducing the amount of games. But if we have to reduce the amount of games by a couple, if it means we play it in the bloody summer, fine. But we have to also recognise the vagaries of the English weather. Um, You can get three games washed out like that. And then you suddenly play, you've got 10 games, you're playing seven. You know, those factors need to be put in, but it's a summer game. We've just said about 10 minutes ago, we've finished six games and we're at the 20th of May. I think some teams so, have played seven, haven't they? Well, one, one team's played well, six games at 20th of May. We've got eight more to play yeah. and four of them in September. That's the crux of the issue that we're not actually putting it centre and front of what we do. There's too much cricket being played and it's being pushed and squeezed. And we need to put it in the summer months when it's going to be played. But until we get to that point, we're always going to have these debates about quality. We're going to have these debates about structures until we put it front and centre. And hopefully now keys in. They're saying they're having the red ball review. They say they're going to prioritise it. Then they're going to have to really back that up. And the only way I can see them backing that up is by getting rid of a competition. That's it, because you play too much cricket. Simple as that. Which one are you getting rid of then? Well, we're not going to get rid of the 100 because that's here. It's an anomaly. Nobody else plays the bloody thing, but it's an anomaly. You'd have to get rid of the 50-over competition or play it as a cup competition 
to make more space. That's all. You, that's what you're going to have to do because it's at the moment there's far too much cricket. You know, we play four competitions, and you you know get four competitions in what is five months. It's, it's madness. Nowhere else does that in the world, and we're doing it because we want we're insatiable about. Well, Tom Harrison was insatiable about making as much money as possible and getting these huge these huge contracts in TV. Uh, and at the same time, the game, the game is disintegrating in front of his eyes. But, why, don't, why don't we play the 50-over game in April? I mean, the, it, it doesn't have that priority as far as I'm concerned. If the weather okay, affects it, you've got to reduce game. So be it. We've got shorter formats it can cope. Uh, really? For me, it, it's easier. I, I, I think the shorter form is much more suited to the more variable weather in April and at the end of the summer. Well, and well. also, I mean, the other issue is that most players don't. I mean, in the past, they used to learn one day cricket and 50-over cricket. They learn the one-day cricket in 20-over cricket and just transfer it to 50-over cricket now. Mm-hmm. So to a certain degree, it's becoming a redundant almost format. I mean, there, have, there was talk about it in the past, getting rid of it, but I don't think they should get rid of it, personally. There was a lot of talk about it, and then England won the World Cup, and it kind of... Yeah, and then it all it. disappeared, doesn't it? But most players learn in 2020 and just transfer the skills to 50-over. Yeah. So, you know... I've got I've got to admit, the, the, what, the format that I interests me least is the 50 over i, I love the four day stuff because that has a narrative going through it or i think the 50 over is kind of has become kind of caught in the middle between t20 and and, and county championship and has lost its identity to a degree and i, I won't go against having a knockout tournament or something like that in april or something like that just to involve maybe the minor counties and to make it a little bit more exciting but, um, but it's yeah. the format that's most relatable to most weekend cricketers mm-hmm. so I mean, there's there's value to it i mean there, I, I don't know I'm not aware of too many 2020 competitions, certainly not widely played at weekends. So if we're trying to keep everybody playing basically the same game, there is merit in keeping the 40-50 over game because it's what we're all playing at the weekend. Final question. New Zealand taking on England, three test match series. What's the score going to be, Phil? Um, well, we'll lose Lord's test match because we always do. I'm just looking at our bowling attack. Um, I, I'm struggling to see us take 20 wickets more than more than once this series so I'm I'm thinking it might be one or on a drawn test how about you Mark I think this test series is really hard to call to be honest with you England could get a bounce factor Anderson could be worried so, I mean New Zealand have shown a little bit of a sign of decline recently they drew, they drew at home to Bangladesh they had a little bit of a shake but Jameson is a great bowler though uh, I'm going to go I'm going to stick my neck out and I say it's going to be brave new dawn and England are going to win this test series Blimey. I, I, I've got a horrible feeling New Zealand will win it myself. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 New Zealand. But we will find out, won't we, over the next few weeks. It's played throughout the month of June to fairly early on in June and then one bringing up the rear towards the end of uh, June as well, uh, Headingley. So uh, looking forward to that, seeing Test Match action back in the UK. Then we've got India to follow and then South Africa coming in towards the end of the summer as well. Mark and Phil, I'm sure I'll speak to you about all of that and more as we go through the uh, the rest of the summer. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And thanks everybody out there for watching as well. And we have been the Cricket Budget Podcast. I've been James, he's been Phil, he's been Mark, and we'll see you again very soon indeed. Cheers, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.